Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Nutrition Lifestyles with Kim and Joanne. I'm Kim. And I'm Joanne. And today we have a very interesting episode for you. And it comes from yours truly, Joanne. That's the in-house mama that we have here in Nutrition Lifestyles. So the other day I was checking out, just to give you guys a little background, I was checking out Joanne's Instagram stories. And she posted Mm -hmm. a very interesting picture. It was a woman, I would say like the setting was maybe early 1900s, Joanne. Maybe. Yeah. Probably earlier than that. Yeah, maybe even earlier because of, you know, the getup that she had on. But Mm. the woman was breastfeeding one baby on one breast and it was a black baby. And the other baby on the other breast and it was a white baby. And I was just looking like, okay, (laughs) what's going on here? So in case, Listen. yeah, in case you guys didn't know, Joanne is an exclusively breastfeeding mom for those listeners who didn't know that. So kudos to you, Joanne. And thank you. Breast, <laughs> breastfeeding, in my opinion, is a glorious practice. But Joanne, I wanted to ask you, could you share with us a little bit about the history of breastfeeding as you've come to know it within the United States? Sure. Well, let me tell you guys first that I am, I'm no longer exclusively breastfeeding because my baby is now 10 months. So I exclusively breastfed until six months. And I did that with all of my kids. Um, As Kim said, I have four boys. So I did breastfeed them for um, Mm -hmm. the first six months of their lives only. No water, nothing else but breast milk. And I I thank God that I was able to do that because not everyone's able to do that. Mm -hmm. And um You know, I had a lot of support and I had a lot of knowledge on what to do, what to look out for, which a lot of people don't. So getting into this research. So I did some research to find out in the United States, what is the history of breastfeeding? And it is, it's very detailed and it is crazy, the stuff that I found out. Mm -hmm. So um, before I even get into like specifics when it comes to like the black community, I'm just going to talk general mm-hmm. in the United States, breastfeeding didn't really become popular for like the singular person or the, I guess, uh, the, the actual mother to breastfeed their child until, um, I would say maybe after the 1920s, um, or like in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't until around that time that breastfeeding your own child was becoming more of a thing that people wanted to do. But if, as you guys know, I don't know if you guys know this term, wet nurses, wet nurses were very popular. They were popular, especially in the 1920s, where impoverished single mothers would have to figure out a way to feed their family, their, their children. Like they didn't have a husband, their family mm. may have kicked them out. So they had to figure out a way and they had to have actually been really desperate to do, um, to become a wet nurse because being a wet nurse meant that they weren't going to be around their kid, um, most of the time, because a lot of the times when they were hired, these rich families weren't trying to have them bring their babies with them. Mm. So a lot of the times when it came to, um, the people who hired these wet nurses, the the rich families, they were not trying to have these wet nurses bring their children along with them. So this wet nurse, once they're hired, they go to the house of this rich person, they live there, and they wet nurse or breastfeed that family's child or infant. 
to the detriment of their own child because their child is not with them. They're not receiving the breast milk um, from their own mother. Okay. Right. Isn't that crazy? So there was, there's always been this idea in the United States that the poor are the ones who breastfeed and the rich, you know, basically sit back and let their kids get breastfed. And so it's always been this mentality in the United States um, along those lines. So even back when in slavery times, it was the same thing. Slaves were the ones that breastfed and not, not the, um, that is true. Not the mother who actually had their kids. Right. So I was doing some research and I found out some information about formulas. Like how did formulas come about? Like why did formula formulas, you know, why were formulas created, so to speak? So the term formula is, is actually that it's a formula that chemists or scientists put together as they were trying to mimic the fat content, sugar content, protein content that is found in breast milk. Uh And they were doing this because they felt like there was a decrease in breast milk production in mothers. I don't know how they came about that conclusion, but that was their conclusion. And there was actually a theory that some doctors have, which is absolutely crazy. Um, The theory was that as girls were becoming more educated in the United States in in an academic setting, their bodies were fighting, I guess to explain it, it's like their, their, their brain and their reproductive system were, were fighting each other. Oh my gosh. they (laughs) They were using, they were using so much of their energy towards their brain function that there wasn't enough production, enough energy left for their reproductive system to do what it needed to do and breastfeed their kid. So they were worried about this, these doctors and scientists, right? So because of that, that's one of the reasons why formulas were created is so that they can um, put an intervention to the, oh my goodness, we're not going to have any breastfeed for babies and babies, you know, at the time, you know, back in the day, babies would die. If they don't have enough breast milk, they're not being breastfed. They would die because cow's milk can't be given to an infant. You know what? Yeah. Let, let me just say, praise the Lord for a change in science, because that is some cuckoo <laughs> for Cocoa Puffs reasoning. Cool. <laughs> which is which is crazy. Like the, the thinking that they had to me, I'm like, OK, so even outside the United States, like in Africa, in Europe, all these other countries where... Women are working right. um, even out, you know, in tribes or whatever they were doing. There, there are tribes in Africa where women are the leaders and they're still breastfeeding their kids. So how is it that they come up with this conclusion that educated women or educated girls, because they were using their brains a lot during their pu- puberty years, puberty years, because of this, their reproductive system wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. So let's create formula yeah. so that we can feed the kids, <laughs> the babies. Isn't that crazy? Crazy. So with that being said, um, so breastfeeding in the United States has always been associated with the lack of money. So in recent years, in 2017, a report came out that 64.3% of black 
American parents breastfed their kids. Uh, 81.9% of Latino families were breastfeeding their kids and 81.5% of white parents were breastfeeding their kids. So that's a big turnaround, Mm. especially for the black family, that there's been an advancement in breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about that a little bit later as to what I think, you know, made that change and that turnaround. Wow. That, that, that's something crazy though. You know, to be honest with you, let me just take it back a little bit to where you first started about, you know, wet nurses. It's Mm -hmm. so interesting to me to see that, you know, there's, you know, issues of slavery that was going on back then and it's still going on now, but, you know, to have these wet nurses to come and give your child suck, you know, to have that, that milk, that, that black woman produced to be a part of your child. Like you, you don't have a problem right. with that. Like you say, you people say, you know, you know, we don't like black people. We don't like their skin tone, but you're still willing for your child to be nourished off of the nutrients of their body. That, the that milk does, was good. <laughs> right. Had to be, had to be. Oh my goodness. And then something else that I wanted to address too Joanne, you had posted in that picture on your Instagram story, like, you know, one child's on the left breast and then one child's on the white and the other breast, but they weren't allowed to share, like switch, switch breasts. Right. You weren't allowed to switch breasts. Like this is the black breast. This is the left of the white breast. And that's the breast you have to feed the child with every time. I mean, it's, it's stupid. It's very stupid. Only it's, it's really (laughs) dumb. Yeah, and, and to think about it, you know, like so as years went on, you know, when during the Jim Crow era, we had white water fountains and black water fountains, but we used to breastfeed your kids, though. Doesn't make sense. It we doesn't. used to breastfeed your kids, but we here drinking your water fountain. And that that is so crazy to me. It doesn't make that sense. That is absolutely crazy. Uh, you know, something else that I wanted to address, you were mentioning statistics about, you know, the percentage mm-hmm. of black women, white women, Hispanic women that breastfeed their children. So why do you think, you know, let's get into the history of it. Why do you think breastfeeding in black women is so much less than other groups? Like, even though we've seen that uptick, it's still mm-hmm. disproportionately less. What? Why is that? What's the history? It is. It is. So I did some more research specific to that picture that I had posted on my Instagram. And I got so many DMs from people who were amazed. They didn't know, couldn't believe that this was the history of breastfeeding um, when it came to slavery. So it's, it's, it's crazy that people did not know this outside of the black community. But during my um, research, because of that picture I posted, the, the nurse, um, who wrote about this in her dissertation. Her name is Stephanie Devane Johnson. And she was doing her, um, she's a certified nursing midwife in Greensboro, South Carolina. And she was doing her dissertation. So all of, most of my information that I'm getting in regards to black feeding in history, um, in American history comes from um, the re- the reports that she's made. So mm-hmm. Here's the crazy thing. So we we talked about how the slave master basically and his wife would see a person out, one of their slaves is pregnant. So they would say, okay, we need to get you pregnant wife. I don't know what they were saying, 
but they would try to correlate, co- coincide the, the slave master's wife's pregnancy with the slave's pregnancy what? that they see is happening so that that slave would be available to feed their own kid when the time came. Okay. So the fact that we were forced as slaves to decide, not even decide because it wasn't our decision. We were forced as slaves to breastfeed other people's kids again, to the detriment of our own kid, where at times, if your kid did, if, if you weren't making um, enough breast milk, like you weren't producing enough, your kid did not get, get fed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the masters, the slave masters and slave owners, they didn't care about that. They were worried about the fact that their kid was getting breastfed. You know, your kid could, could um, end up starving because they weren't being fed. And that was okay with, with them. It didn't matter. So that was a traumatic experience. Yeah, that, it is. Um, you know, the black community generations on end, you know, experienced and it perpetuated until now that memory, that, that traumatic experience. So it was, it's crazy because if, if a slave mother was not able to breastfeed their kid due to the fact that they weren't producing enough milk um, they, or they were only producing enough milk for that one baby, or they were in the house all the time breastfeeding the slave master kids, master's kid, and they weren't you know able to produce enough for two babies because it's a supply and demand situation when it comes to breastfeeding. You know, the more the um, the demand is, the more your body's gonna supply. Right. So with that being said, if there wasn't enough, that family, the slave family. They had to figure out a way to feed their kids. And a lot of times they were putting together their own little formula of dirty water and cow's milk to feed their kids so that they can give their kids some kind of nutrient. And and a lot of the times that ended up being fatal for that infant, um, probably because their body was not absorbing the nutrient from the cow's milk, or it could just be straight up bacterial infection from the dirty water. Who knows? Wow. So that's one aspect of the reason why breastfeeding in black women in America, the rates are so low. So it has to do with the traumatic experiences um, during slavery, um, racism, and just a lot of the times too, it has to do with discrimination in the workplace. So Think about it this way. Um, when it comes to breastfeeding, postpartum, mm-hmm. you need to give, you need to be able to have access to either pumping or your child, right? To be able to, pro- to, to produce milk. Correct. Because your body, again, is supply and demand, right? So if you are having to go to work six weeks after you've had a baby because the system that we live here in the United States is very different than what you find out in other first world countries where they give their, you know, um, mothers nine months to a year in maternity leave a lot of the times. But here it's not a mandate for mothers to have a certain amount of time. Um, Six weeks is what most people get. And it's not enough to have basically a it's not even enough time to have a bond with your kid let alone have stabilized your breastfeeding journey so you have that aspect where a lot of time in our community we're working in places that you have to go back within that six weeks you don't have paid time off so you have to go back after the six-week period and if you wanted to breast um to pump you don't even have an area to 
in, in your workplace or, or a flexibility in your work schedule during the eight hours or whatever the time frame that it is that you're working there to be able to pump to provide milk for your kid. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I would say that that has changed a little bit um, recently and it's specific to the changes that occurred with Obamacare where um, breast pumps are now being provided by uh, insurance companies. Um, so that's something else that has, you know, that, that was a barrier is having access to be able to purchase a, a breast pump. So it's, it's like a, a system, systematic arrangement where you're set up to fail and you're set up to be discouraged to not be, to not want to breastfeed. So, you know, that's, that's what, uh, no, go, go, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say, you know, it's not even, you know, a discouragement about, you know, not breastfeeding. It's also putting at, putting your child at a risk for possible health problems. Um, like I remember, right. you know, my aunt when, you know, she, this was years ago though, it's like 20 something years ago when she had my cousin and she didn't breastfeed him air infections constantly, um, you know, was always catching up some type of infection as a kid simply because mm-hmm. she did not breastfeed. So, you know, I think, you know, as you, as you stated, you know, the system is against you by not making, um, places more accommodating, but it's also putting your child, your black child, your brown child, your minority child at risk for health issues. And it will be interesting right. to see if, you know, there's a study done, like, you know, and I'm pretty sure there are studies done breastfeeding kids versus non-breastfeeding kids and then track them throughout the span of their lifetime and see what type of lifestyle diseases they develop that can be linked back to it. Exactly. And let me let me put this out here because I know there's probably somebody listening that's like, oh my goodness, they are all about breastfeeding and they're promoting breastfeeding. And, you know, there's that breast, breast is best and feeding is best um, uh, fight. I don't even know what to call it out there. And I, I'm not saying that at all. I promote breastfeeding. I love breastfeeding. I didn't have to pay for formula. I mean, that's less money that I have to spend more money in my pocket. But I also understand that not everyone is able to breastfeed. Not everyone is able to breastfeed exclusively and people got to do what they got to do to feed their kids. We understand that uh, all the way. We're just talking about the history and why in the black community and minority communities that breastfeeding rates are lower. And, um, you know, I just want to get that out there. It's true. It's true. And I'm glad that you're, you're dropping that knowledge. I remember during my dietetic internship umpteen years ago, I was at the WIC office and a lot of, you know, 20 something year old women would come in there. And, you know, part of the rotation is, you know, try to see, you know, do they want to do breastfeeding? Do they want to do formula? And when these women are Mm -hmm. pregnant, a lot of the minority, they would say, Mm -hmm. oh, oh, no, you know, we're especially the ones that were more like, adapted the American culture. No, we're going to do on bottle fed. And I'm just like, Mm -hmm. why? You know, here, here's the benefits, you know, you do have your choice. But at the same time, as a future practitioner, I have to educate you on the pros and cons of both. So let's weigh your options mm-hmm. here. So, you know, they fully understood the pros, but a lot of them were like, oh, no, no, that's okay. I don't want my breasts to, for lack of better words, to be saggy. I want my breasts to still be a sex symbol. And But I think a lot of it is perpetuated from the history. 
Exactly. And and I saw the same thing because I did a wick rotation as well. And I saw the same thing where a lot of the black mothers who came, they were more likely to request the the breast, uh, the, the formula um, package or option over the breastfeeding option. And I tried to explain to them, like the breastfeeding option gives you food. Like you breastfeed, they give you the mom, they give the mom um, right, they do. So both people would be getting fed and not just the, the infant. And they they wouldn't, most of them would take the option of receiving formula. Right. So, I mean, I know, you know, we're, we're straddling the fence of it. So let me just come out and say it. So what are some of the myths about breastfeeding in the Black American community? So <laughs> I've heard some of this and I've heard some of the, I've heard some of these and I've heard some of these while I was doing my rotation at, um, at my WIC rotation. And during the, uh, my research, I was reading what Stephanie Devane Johnson was saying she saw during her dissertation in the study that she did is that women associated breastfeeding as being nasty. They, um, it's a perpetual thing. Like it's a cyclical thing, like grandma, mom, great grandma, aunts, they all had the same thinking. So you in modern times, you don't have that support. So you're hearing people call it breastfeeding being nasty. Um, families felt like talk of breastfeeding was sexual. So they didn't want to have that talk in the house. Like we don't want to talk about boobies. We don't want to talk about the breast mm, because that's a sexual conversation. True. They didn't see breastfeeding as being a functional thing more as a sexual thing. I remember in grad school, my, my major professor, he used to always say this. He's like, breast is not for sex. That's not what it's intention. It's not intended for. It's to feed the baby. <laughs> he would say that all the time. And the kids in the class would be like, oh my gosh, he's on his breastfeeding tangent again. <laughs> Hilarious. But okay, so so that was one, um, uh, you know, talking about that breastfeeding is nasty, breastfeeding, um, the breast is sexual, and, and there was no family support. So the family... You know, you go to your aunt's house, you're trying to breastfeed your kid and they're like, uh-uh, don't pop up your boobies here. We're not doing that here. So that that cyclical and generational um, thinking perpetuates. So it's passed down the line because you didn't have the support and you don't know how to breastfeed. And we correlate breastfeeding with being a slave anyways. You know, we don't, you don't have to do that anymore. We, we're free now. We're not a slave. We're not breastfeeding. You don't have to do that anymore. So we passed that thinking down the line. And now the generation that we're at, it's the same thinking. I, I, you know, I live here in Atlanta, but I do work in remote areas in Georgia. And it's that same thinking that you find in the smaller um, cities is that same thinking of we're not going to breastfeed our kid, we're going to go with formula first. We're not even going to try because that's not what is done in our family. And it's not even a support. It's not a support that people receive within their family, you know? Right. Right. But, you know, I can definitely see what you're saying though, that, well, actually the professor that, you know, breast, breast is not for sex. That's not the function. I think in, you know, the society in which we live in today, where we see, you know, women just like pumping up their breasts and with the silicones and all these things, and it's used as a sex right. symbol. And, you know, in right. the, in the black community, you know, 
thick. They like they like the women thick all around. Well, <laughs> the black community we're used to. It could be different. We're not speaking for all black people now. We're not doing that. But yeah, I can definitely see how that myth has perpetuated and how through generations, you know, you associate the breast with more of a sexual connotation that, you know, the function, the functionality of it has been lost simply Mm -hmm. because of that. So, you know, we spoke about the Black American community and how they view uh, the breast. But how would you say breastfeeding in the United States is different from that in uh, Haiti, where, where you're originally from? Well, I'm going to go off of what my mom told me because I wasn't raised in Haiti. So I didn't actually see this occurring or experienced it myself. But from what my mom was telling me is I mean, it's pretty much the same thing. Breastfeeding is associated with being poor. Um, you know, if you have money, you're able to buy formula. So if you're breastfeeding your kid formula, that's a sign of being affluent. Um, my mom used to tell me stories of she tried to exclusively breastfeed me. I don't know if that was just because of things she wanted to do or why, because um, like I said, that's not something that was prominent in Haiti, but she wanted to exclusively breastfeed me. But my, my dad, he would say, um, she's not getting enough food, you know, give that baby a bottle. So that support wasn't there that she needed. And you need a lot of support when you're breastfeeding, especially the first month. Like the first month, I always tell my friends and clients, I'm not a lactation um, counselor, but I do know enough about breastfeeding to be able to counsel um, my clients. And I'll tell them like that first month is so key. And it's once you get over that first month hump, like it's a breeze. You just got to be able to get through that first month. That support is, is what you need during breastfeeding. If you don't have that support during that first month, six week period, you're more likely to end up giving up and quitting than you are likely to continue to exclusively breastfeed your kid, your infant. You know, I, I think it's similar too in, in Jamaica. I th- I think it's a little, you know, I don't even know what to say, to be honest with you. <laughs> so there's a newspaper in Jamaica called the Jamaican Gleaner or just the Gleaner. And they mm-hmm. had an article in there in 2017. And it was about, it was speaking about how Jamaican women, they basically think breastfeeding, for lack of better words, it sucks. And like less than half <laughs> of women are exclusively breastfeeding. And if they exclusively breastfeed, you know, they're doing that only up until like three months. And I think it's mm-hmm. because in the Jamaican uh, society, like we, we look a lot to England and, you know, America, right. as, you know, our role model, like, you know, God bless the queen, you know, <laughs> kind of deal or like <laughs> legit, <laughs> legit. So I think a lot of the culture has been um, changed. Like I know like in the country parts of Jamaica, like, you know, you up in the mountains, up in the hills, you know, you're going to make do and you're going to breastfeed that child. That's but right. Same more, thing for Haiti. Yeah. More in the city. Right. I think first and foremost is education. Education is key. It's key with everything. And I think that's the misinformation, the myths. Um, the lack of understanding of why breastfeeding is important if you can do it is it's not there or it was not there in a lot of areas. I will say this. My first breastfeeding journey started in 2011 with my first um, baby. And at that time, 
I did not see a lot of social media support. Um, my support came from my knowledge, my schooling, my professor, um, and, you know, my husband, he gave me support, but he didn't know what he was doing either. His support was there as being present and giving me whatever I needed. But um, I would say that in the last uh, 10 years that social media has done a great job with educating and um, setting a trend for making breastfeeding very popular as as it is today. And there's a lot of Facebook pages that, you know, has thousands of membership um, uh, members in them where it's it's black women who are supporting other black women um, to encourage them to breastfeed, to guide them. You know, any little questions that you may have, you post it and, you know, that answer is there for you. So I really feel like that support has been changed in the last few years. And so with education and removing the stigmas that comes with thinking that breast milk uh, or breastfeeding is re- is sexual or um, trying to remove, uh, I mean, it's hard to remove the trauma that we experienced, but I mean, to educate folks on that, you, you know, breastfeeding has nothing to do with mm-hmm. breastfeeding. Your child currently has nothing to do with what, how you were treated and how we were treated as slaves um, way back when. Um, right. It's, it's hard to remove that stigma, especially if, you know, you're not that far removed from when that happened. Like it, you could have a great grandmother that's still alive that can tell you stories about their mother or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's not that far removed. So it's kind of hard in that aspect. But education, I think it's it's really key. Finding support, whether that support is through social media, through your family, um, like when you're going to different um I don't know if it's your doctor's office or maybe like a health clinic that may have like a support group, bring your support system from home with you. So that way you're not only the one that's being educated, they as well are being educated so that when you're home, they will provide you that support and they're not going to look at you crazy because they don't know and understand why breastfeeding is important. You know what I mean? I do. And I think those are two important topics that you just, you know, hit the nail on the head because people... People perish for lack of knowledge. I mean, that is a tried and true statement. And also that community, because, you know, the whole entire breastfeeding, I can just imagine, you know, you, there's a lot going on. There's a lot mentally, yeah. physiologically. So, you know, just there have, is. having that community of women who understand what right. you're going through, like, you know, God bless your husband, but he, he didn't understand. He didn't push out a baby. So, you know, I want to encourage everyone while listening to this, definitely for Black Breastfeeding Week, you know, even even if you're not a mom, if you're a dietitian listening to this and you see pregnant women in your practice or as clients in the hospital, you know, remember that knowledge is power and to give them the resources right. and the education that they need in order, you know, if it is their choice, of course, to be a successful breastfeeding mom. Because there's a lot right. of women who want to breastfeed, but then feel discouraged, may feel like that they're not producing enough milk or don't know if they're doing mm-hmm. it properly. So, you know, with right. that being said, you know, we thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Joanne, do you have any take home points that you'd like to share? Well, 
for for those who are outside um, of our community, if you are a health provider, a dietitian that is not black, that is not a minority, if you have a client that comes to you, if you have if you work in a WIC setting and a mother tells you that they're not going to breastfeed, dig a little deeper and find out why that is. Don't just say okay, we're just gonna do formula. Find out why that is and under be able to understand the background. Um, to why it is that they're making that decision. And most time it has a lot to do with a lot of trauma and a lot of um, generational thinking of why of, of breastfeeding being, um, you know, something that they should not do. Right. I agree. I agree. So guys, with that being said, thank you so much again for listening to this episode. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe and share. We are one of the few podcasts that are basically giving episodes like this, and that is targeted for women and for women of color to educate, empower, energize, and encourage you. Until next week, see you then. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.